Thank you, Mike and Debbie. Thank you, Les and Ryan. Appreciate everyone, their participation in the service so far this morning. Today I wanted to talk, as we're getting further into this series of Let God Lead, about a question that comes up a lot for me. In fact, it's kind of in my nature to ask this question, and it's simply, why? Ever since I was a little kid, the question why was always something I wanted to know. And I'm sure it drove my parents crazy. You know what they say? They wish that your kids follow suit. Well, I was blessed with two children, and one in particular, my son, who loves to ask questions. But I never was upset about that, because I think it's okay to ask questions. In fact, if anything that we say here in the church doesn't make sense, or you wonder if it goes back to Scripture, it's okay to ask a question. If there's ever something you're wondering about God, he's big enough for our questions. And so when we ask a question like, why does God even want to lead us? I don't think that's being disrespectful. I think it's trying to know what is at the core of why God wants to lead. Because reasons are important, aren't they? I mean, you could be doing the right thing for the wrong reason, and it would have a negative impact on it. It would kind of negate the good that you're doing. Let me give you an example. Let's say that someone's driving down the road, and they see their boss broke down on the side of the road. So they pull their car over and they ask them, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you need help? And they said, I ran out of gas. So the person volunteers to go up to the gas station, fill up one of those gas cans, a couple of gallons of gas, bring it back to their boss so they can get back on the road and get going. And the boss says, okay, let me give you some money. Says, no, 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 no money needed. Just Just want to make sure you're taken care of, that you're on your way. Now, you would think that's a pretty good person, right? They're doing a nice thing for someone. You know, this is, they didn't ask for anything in return. But what if I were to tell you that that person's secret motive was that they wanted to make a good impression on their boss? They wanted to get ahead. They knew that evaluations were coming up at work. And they wanted to get them a little bit bigger raise this next time around. Would that change your opinion of that person? That they had only done it because they wanted something down the road in return? You see, our motives do matter, and reasons are important. And so if we're going to ask, God, why do you want to lead our lives? It's important to know that his reasons and his motives are pure and good, because God is pure and good. But what does scripture have to say about why he wants to lead us? We're going to talk about that here this morning. But as we begin, I'd like for us to read together a scripture. This is from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. We'll read this together. Proverbs 16, verse 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. So scripture tells us right there, Motives are important to God. You could be doing all the right things. You could be saying all the right things, living a life that appears to be perfectly right. But if in your heart your motives are not true, God sees that. Motives are important to God, and that's why his motives for wanting to lead us are pure. So we're going to look at that today. Why 
does God want to lead us? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again for today. And we thank you that not only do you desire to lead us, but you desire to know us personally. And for us to know you personally. That you aren't just some distant being out there that created the universe and set it all into motion and that you're just hands off, but that you want to be involved in our lives and you want us to seek you with all of our hearts. So Lord, I pray that as we seek you this morning, that you would guide us in your truth through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why does God want to lead? Well, it sounds very simple, but really reason number one is something you may have heard if you've been in church at all any time in your life. It's because God really loves you. God created you. He has a purpose for you, and he cares about you. He wants to lead you because he loves you. 1 John tells all about that God is love, that love comes from him. 1 John 4, verse 9 says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. It goes on to say that everything we have, every ability that we have to love, comes from God himself. 1 John 4, 9. God showed us how much he loved us. Go on to the next verse. 1 John 4, 19. We love because God first loved us. Our ability to love one another. Love at its core is rooted in God. There would be no love in this world if God hadn't first loved us. So that means before you were even born, before you were a thought in your mom and dad's mind, God loved you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. That is his primary motivation for all of Scripture. From beginning to end, Scripture tells us about God's great love for us. Reason number two, he wants the very best for you. When you love someone, you want the very best for them. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that God wants you to have the best car, the best house, the best job, the fullest bank account, the best clothes? No. God's desire for us is so much deeper than just the stuff of this world. It doesn't mean that he wants us to have the best stuff. He means he wants us to have the best the very best thing that we could possibly have. And what is that? Dutch theologian Herman Bavnik appropriately opens up his book on theology by saying, he's saying, our God and God alone is man's highest good. God and God alone is the highest good, the greatest good. Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus replies to The man who came to him and said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. God wants us to love him, wants us to follow him because God's ways are the very best. No other relationship can satisfy. No other path can fulfill. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
There is nothing in this world that God could offer us that is better than himself. And so God offers himself to us. And following his path is the absolute best path in life. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. It says nothing compares. Not your wisdom, not your power, not your riches. Nothing compares to what God gives you. Those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and brings justice and righteousness to the earth. God says that the only thing worth having, the only thing worth boasting in is knowing him. Now, what does that mean to know him? It doesn't just mean intellectually. It doesn't just mean you have a bunch of stuff memorized that you can quote. It doesn't mean that you have a lot of arguments that you know how to win because you know all the ins and outs and all the reasons. The word know in the Bible means an intimate, a personal relationship. God wants you to know him as he knows you. The only thing that matters is truly knowing God and understanding that he is Lord. To know him as your personal Lord and Savior, that means that he not only has control of your life, but that he is the Savior, the one who redeemed you from your sins. And that's reason number three. God wants to redeem your life. Now, what does that mean, redeem? It means to pay the price for something in exchange for something else. It's giving what you have in order to buy back Something for yourself. And it's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And this was his purpose. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus' purpose was redemption. You have a redemption story. Every single one of you has one or can have one through Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking about the generic like, okay, yeah, Jesus saved me from my sins. But specifically, Jesus wants to redeem you from your past, from your pain, from your hurt, from your failures, from your addiction. Maybe it's guilt and shame. Maybe it's a judgmental attitude. Maybe it's a pain from your past that you haven't been able to get over. Maybe it's bad habits and addictions, loneliness, depression, anger, pride, self-reliance, fear, worry, hatred, bitterness, selfishness. Whatever it is that you struggle with, God wants to redeem you from it through the power of Jesus Christ. So he's either done that or he's doing that. So maybe you say, well, I really can't think of a major thing that God's redeemed me from. Maybe he's in the process of doing it right now. Maybe he's chipping away at your heart. Maybe he's looking at an attitude or a behavior in your life and little by little he's whittling it away. One of my favorite illustrations of this is a video by a group called the Skit Guys. We've used their videos on here before and we We use them for the youth group a lot. I don't have the video. It's kind of a long video. I encourage you to look it up, though. It's called God's Chisel. 
And in that video, there's one guy who's playing the role of God, another guy who's just a regular man. And God comes with a hammer and a chisel, and he starts chiseling away at the guy's life. And he says, yeah, I've got this here that I really want to get rid of. I've got this sin. I've got this pain. I've got this hurt. But the more that God chisels away, the more it starts to really affect him. And he says, well, that, that, that's, that's too deep. That's too hard. That's too much of a cut, Lord. I can't take that. And God assures him throughout the whole skit that what I'm doing is for your best. I'm making you into the image of my son, Jesus. And so maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you feel like that I'm still a work in progress. Amen. We all are. We all are still works in progress. And if you don't have that powerful, awesome testimony to say, you know, I was once down in the gutter and now God's redeemed me. Maybe he's still working on you. Because I believe that he is. But what is that one thing? What's that hold up? What's that that area you just can't shake in your life? Is it tied to your pride? Is it tied to your past? Is there an addiction? Is there a sin? Is there an attitude? Is there something in your life that is just a constant struggle for you? Turn that over to the Lord. God wants that to be your victory. He wants to redeem you from whatever that is and give you hope. Reason number four that God wants to lead us is that he wants to protect you from poor choices. He wants to protect you from poor choices. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. How many times have we thought we knew exactly what was right for our lives? We knew exactly what we wanted. We knew exactly what we wanted God to do. And it ended up being wrong. There is a path that seems right to a person, but in the end leads to death. He wants to protect you from those poor choices. So following him, it's not a guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen in your life. Because bad things happen all the time. It's the world that we live in. We live in a sinful, fallen place. But he does say this, Psalm 91. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in their trouble. I will rescue and honor them. And I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. God promises to be with us always. Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble. But take courage, take heart. I have overcome the world. Following God's not a guarantee. That nothing bad will ever happen. In fact, you make yourself pretty high on Satan's enemy list when you start to follow God in every aspect of your life. So you can bet that bad things are going to happen. But God has promised to be with you always, to hear you when you call out to him. Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch Christian who was imprisoned for helping Jews escape Nazi Germany. And she coined this famous phrase, the safest place is in the center of God's will. The safest place is in the center of God's will. And let's think about that for a second. Because there are plenty of people that have died for their faith. There are plenty of Christians right now that are suffering persecution because they have united with God. They are following Jesus. 
So what does this mean, the safest place? Does that mean that you're going to have the comfy chair to sit in and you're going to have all the money you ever need and everything's going to go good for your life? Well, Corey knew that wasn't the case because Corey was arrested for helping Jews escape Germany. She was thrown into a concentration camp. She had to suffer. She watched her parents killed before her eyes. So she knew that safety wasn't physical safety in this world, but she knew that doing the will of God was the absolute best place for her to be in because she knew it was God who was leading. And even if she were to die, it would be for his glory. I can tell you from personal experience that whenever a hardship comes, when you have that confidence that you are following the will of God, there is a supernatural peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. You cannot explain. It doesn't look like things are going well. You lose that job. Things are crashing down around you and your family. But because you know you are following the Lord, he gives you strength to endure. So follow the Lord. It's the safest place you can be in. Because you know it's on him. If he's leading you, then you're trusting him to guide you. Number five, the reason why God wants to lead you is because he wants you to choose him. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. It's really important to see how much this hurt Jesus. Because Jesus was telling them, you know, you brood of vipers, you, you whitewashed tomb. He was calling them all these things, calling them out for their legalistic sin. Their sin that was pointing people away from God. But it, it took such a toll on him that it says at the end of Matthew chapter 23, Jesus cries out as he looks over the city of Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered you like children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Jesus is in anguish over the Jewish people because they're turning from him. He says, see, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was in such anguish over his people because they were stubbornly refusing to follow him. They had everything before them. They had the scriptures. They had the prophets. They had all the things. They saw the miracles that Jesus did. But yet because of their tradition, because of their stubbornness, because of their sin, they were refusing to follow Jesus' lead, and he is in anguish over this. He is crying out for them to change their ways. And he says, now look at what this has led you to. Your house is desolate. You follow your way long enough and you reject God's way, you're going to lead to destruction. Your house is desolate, and you're not going to see me again till the day you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what? There is a day coming in the future where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is going to be a glorious day when he returns, but you know what's also going to happen on that day? It's going to be too late. It's going to be too late to follow Jesus then. 
He gives us now. He gives us the opportunities today to choose to follow him. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait till your life leads into destruction or don't wait until the day that the Lord returns and you no longer have that option. Number six, he wants you not only to follow him, but to lead others to follow him. I find it really interesting that Jesus says this from the very beginning to the very first disciples that he called. He goes out to them when they're fishing on the, on the lake and he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he reiterates this point at the end of his ministry. After he's risen from the grave, he's about to ascend to heaven and he reminds the disciples again. Therefore, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's the great commission. But really, it's the great recommission because Jesus said from the very start of his ministry, this is what we're here for. We're here to lead other people to Jesus. And that's what we're here for today, too. We're not just here to bask in our salvation and have that that golden ticket to heaven. We're here to lead others to salvation in Jesus Christ. Why do you think Jesus had to say it twice? I'm sure he said it more than twice. But why do you think he had to remind his disciples that this was their purpose? Well, if you remember just a few weeks earlier in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested... Every single one of them ran away scared. They all abandoned him. They were all hiding for fear of what would happen to them. Not a single one of them stayed with Jesus. A couple of them followed from a distance, but Peter himself, when questioned three times, calls down curses on himself. Have you ever wanted to believe a lie so much that you're willing to do something so stupid as to curse yourself to try to convince somebody. That's what Peter did. He tried to curse himself so that people would believe that he wasn't a follower of Jesus, that he wasn't one of his disciples. And you know the story. The rooster crows. He looks over and he sees Jesus. And he's immediately convicted and ashamed of what he's done. All these disciples were ashamed that they had abandoned Jesus Jesus is recommissioning them because he wants them to know, I'm not done with you. I've called you for a purpose. And that's to lead others to follow me too. And we have that purpose here today, Hartford Christian Church. We have that same purpose to lead others to follow Jesus. Those disciples, I bet, doubted themselves have you ever wondered if it's too late for you have you ever wondered if something you've done can't be undone or maybe like me you wished that you had like a time machine and you could go back and you could kind of fix that stupid decision that you did or that stubbornness that you had or those words that you said or you know that opportunity that you missed because of whatever reason 
We all have those regrets from time to time. But it's not too late. It's not too late to turn and follow Jesus. You could do it today. So I want to encourage you with this. I want to challenge you with this. Become an early adopter. Become an early adopter. What does that mean? An early adopter is someone who is first in line to try something new. Someone who, usually we're talking about like technology, like the people that are first in line to get the new iPhone when it comes out or something like that. But these are the people that because of their faith in either the company, the product, the idea, or the vision forward, they will jump on board behind something before anyone else has to prove it or, or you know, play it safe. These are the people that jump on board enthusiastically firsthand. The world is full of stories of lives that are being changed right now by the gospel of Jesus. And the sad thing is about a lot of those stories is they usually begin with a person saying, I finally came to my senses. I finally realized my mistake. I finally hit rock bottom. And it's in that moment that I was able to turn my life around. Well, those rock bottom finally stories are amazing. And God certainly works through those. And he can work through your story too. But it doesn't have to be a rock bottom story. You can make the decision to follow him now. It doesn't have to take a tragedy. It doesn't have to take a loss. It doesn't have to take hitting that rock bottom to change. Your story can change today. You can let God lead today. You can follow him in the area of your life that you've been holding on to today. And that's the challenge for us. What areas of our life do we need to surrender to God today? What hopes for our future? What dreams, what outcomes do we need to lay at the feet of Jesus and trust him to lead? Because God's reasons are pure. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to protect you from poor choices. He wants you to choose to follow him and he wants you to lead others to follow him. Because God is the greatest good. His ways are the best. And he wants what's best for us. Do you believe that here this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the greatest good that there is. Nothing compares to your glory. Nothing compares to your love and your faithfulness. Nothing can satisfy like you can satisfy. Nothing that we try to do for ourselves can lead us to eternal life. Only faith in you. So God, I pray that each one of us would catch a glimpse of your goodness here today. That we would see your ways are better than our ways. That we would be humbled 
and we would submit to you that you would take control and you would lead us as individuals, as families, and as your church here at Hartford Christian Church. Lord, if you're not leading us here today, then our paths are doomed to fail. But God, we trust that you are in control and you are leading. And we pray for lives to be changed through your gospel here today. Set us free from our past. Set us free from our sin. Set us free from our pride, from our fear, from our stubbornness, from whatever it is. And help us to follow you. We love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.